Thanks for joining us today at the Vine Church. We are one church with two locations and reaching around the world with the help of our online service. We exist to connect the world to Jesus Christ. If you'd like to partner with us in doing that, you can share this message with others or click on the give link below. For now, prepare your heart for some incredible worship and an inspiring message. Praise God from whom all blessings flow.
church again? Hey, how many of you are sad because that's the last week we're going to hear that bumper video? 
Yeah, I know, right? And if you didn't get your dance party in, hey, we've got an 11 o'clock service. There might be a few extra seats available so you can come and get your last little dance groove in with that bumper video. But hey, it's been a pleasure to be in this series with you. It's been one of my favorite series just simply because of the feedback that we've gotten from so many of you as we're taking a look at what it means to have our best year ever and four practices that we can have in our life that will allow us to experience our best year ever. And we conclude that today. Uh, and, and probably a great way. If you uh, came in early enough, probably you had the option of picking up a fortune cookie or one of these uh, Dove promises. Uh, did you get your, your selection? Um, yeah, and, and I don't know about you all, but when I was growing up, like I loved Chinese food, and then I became aware of all the sodium and the carbs that are in Chinese food. Um, we loved Chinese food so much that when I was in high school, after church, it was almost like a given that we were going to go to the Golden Buddha, which could have been confusing for a teenager trying to figure out faith when you go and worship Jesus, and then you go to the Golden Buddha. But anyway, I was solid in faith, so not a problem there. Um, but my favorite part of the, the meal was not the meal, it was the fortune cookie. How, how many of you are with me on that? You love the fortune cookie, and not because the fortune cookie tastes good, because it doesn't. I mean, it kind of tastes pretty flavorless. In fact, maybe a hint of vanilla in there. Um, but the best part of it was the fortune, right? And so you, you got to see what was coming your way. And so I just thought I'd, I'd read you what I got this morning. How about another fortune? Second fortune. Oh, wait. Oh, okay. That was a... All right. Playing safe is only playing. That was it. I mean, that's too, you know, super exciting. We've got some lucky numbers here. 34, 6, 15, 31, 47, 8. I don't know what that means that all of us got a fortune cookie, you know, maybe. And uh, if you didn't get one, you can get the way out. Um, I, I, I loved fortunes um, because, especially the good ones, because that, that it kind of gave you a little bit of hope. You know, even though, like, the older you got, the more you realize this is not true. Um, but it gave you a little bit of hope. And then I kind of graduated from fortune cookies to these things called Dove Promises. Can I get an amen for Dove Promises? And, uh, and, and I'm trying to be, you know, aware of, like, the fact that I'm getting older, a lot older. And today I'm a year older than I was last year. Um, and, um, and, and so I don't eat these often unless I go over to my mother-in-law's house where she kind of hides chocolate in her house. And every once in a while we'll figure out where the chocolate is. And one of the things that she hoards at her house are Dove Promises. And so when we find the stash, it's likely that I'll eat one or 10. And, um, and, and what I love doing is unwrapping the Dove Promise because when you open up the wrapper, there's supposed to be something that's written in there that's a promise. And I just tore half of it. So um, let me see if I can pull this together. Um, walk to the beat of your own tuba. Um, is the promise that I have. Not really a promise at all, actually. Um, so that didn't go the way that I thought it was going to go this morning. But anyway, nevertheless, the, the emphasis is that we, I at least, like promises more than I like fortunes. And here's why. Because when you hear the word promise, it's like a trump card of trust. The word promise is a trump card of trust. That means that you can have the ultimate amount of trust. And when it comes to a fortune or when it comes to a promise and, and a candy wrapper, what we're um, trusting in is the hope that something will be fulfilled. We're trusting in the hope that, that something will be provided for us, that there will be a reward or there will be a prize. And when it comes to the beginning of every year, there is never perhaps a greater hope than, than at the beginning of the year. 
because everything kind of resets. We get to the end of a year, we focus on the things that didn't get fulfilled, the things that we didn't experience, the, the places of our life that aren't satisfactory or aren't fulfilling, and we hit the reset button. Our hope is restored that that year can be awesome, and so a lot of us, we come into the new year, and we want our uh, current year to be better than the last year. We want it to be our best year ever. We want to go from just surviving the year to thriving in the year. We want to experience abundance. We want to experience breakthrough. We have all kinds of hopes that are maybe attached to people in our lives. And so maybe there's a hope that our marriage relationship will be restored. Maybe there is a hope that your child will finally come around. Maybe there's a hope, students, that your parents will finally come around. Uh, maybe there is a hope for some friendship to kind of be formed or a relationship to be established. Maybe there is a hope that your finances are going to get figured out. Maybe there is a hope that you're going to experience some type of uh, deliverance or breakthrough when it comes to an addiction. Uh, there are all kind of hopes that we have when it comes to the new year. And that's why we have this series ahead of us, Best Year Ever. Where we're talking about four spiritual practices that we can put into our life. That if we'll be consistent with it in a period of time... We're going to see that manifest in a way that regardless of what happens externally, regardless of what happens circumstantially and situationally in our life, we're going to be able to experience that year that we want to experience, that thriving, that abundance, and that breakthrough. And this week, as we conclude the series, we wanted to save um, perhaps the most important spiritual practice ever um, for this week um, when it comes to what it means to have our best year ever, or even our best life ever. And it comes down to this, trusting in the character of God, trusting in the hope that we can have in God. In fact, you, you can make an argument that when it comes to our relationship with God, that, that all of Scripture comes down to us knowing God's love for us, and then us trusting in God's love for us. And the reason that we started talking about promises is because one of the things that we have when it comes to God's relationship or desired relationship with all of us is his promise. It's his promise. It, it's a trump card for you to trust in the hope that God is who he says he is and he will be who he says he will be in your life. And so in order for us to have our best year ever, we've got to have the best promise ever. In order for us to have our best year ever, we've got to have the best promise ever. Now what's crazy about kind of trying to figure out the best promise ever is that the Bible is full of promises. Um, biblical scholars kind of debate about how many promises are in the Bible. Uh, kind of conservatively at a minimum, there are about 3,000 promises in the Bible. That's a lot of promises. I think we could find certainly enough for ourselves in there and maybe for all the people that are in our lives. Now, at a very, very liberal count, there's about 8,000 promises that are in the Bible. And so whether you're talking about conservative or liberal, not in political terms, but in the count of Bible promises, 3,000 to 8,000, if you're at one end or the other or anywhere in between, that is a lot of promises. There are enough promises of God to go around. So many promises that back in the day there was a children's church song written about God's promises. Some of you might have grown, that, uh, grown up singing that song, that the, Bible, or the promises of the Bible are true, the promises of Bible are mine, every chapter, every verse, every line. 
Um, and maybe that's something that you grew up singing. Maybe you didn't. Maybe you didn't grow up in church, and that's okay. And here's why. Because that children's church song is not true. Exactly. Um, and, uh, and most of the children's church songs are true, especially the kids' songs. So, you know, keep repeat and keep playing those. But this one was a little off, and here's why it's a little off. There are 3,000 or 8,000 or somewhere in between, but not every one of them are ours. And so it's important when we talk about the promises of the Bible for us to define promises in two ways. Number one, contextually, and then number two, conditionally. Number one, contextually, and number two, conditionally. What's the context for the promise? And so sometimes when you go to those 3,000 promises that are in the Bible, or the 8,000 promises in the Bible, some of them were written for a specific group of people, for a specific purpose, and for a specific period of time. But not for all people at all times and for all purposes. Does that make sense? So specific group of people for a specific purpose for a specific group of time. And then some of the promises in the Bible are conditional. Meaning that there's a condition that is needed in order for there to be the fulfillment of the promise. There's an if attached to it. So if this, if you do this, or if you don't do this, then this will happen. This is the promise. And so it's important when you go through the Bible to make sure that you understand the context and the condition that um, precedes the fulfillment of the promise. Are we tracking? Are we tracking? Now here's one thing that's really important to note. All of the promises of the Bible, whether they're for a specific group of people then or a specific group of people now, whether there's a specific purpose that was different than the purpose now or a specific period of time. All of the promises of the Bible have one foundational context and condition, and it's this, a covenant relationship with God. A covenant relationship with God. Those are the conditions around the promises of God. Now, here's what's really cool about the context and the condition of a covenant relationship with God. That's available to every person without context and without condition. So what I want you to hear is when it comes to the promises of God, they're all built around the foundation of the context and the condition of a covenant relationship with God. But a covenant relationship with God is available to every person without a context, meaning that when I talk about a covenant relationship with God and you hear that and you go, well, I'm not sure I'm in a relationship with God, no worries. Um, or you hear the word covenant relationship with God and you go, well, I'm disqualified because of my past and my sin and my mess ups. I'm disqualified for that. No worries. Again, there are no conditions and no um, context around the availability of a covenant relationship with God. And let me kind of prove my point to you. The first time we kind of see um, some like uh, very explicit promises made to a person in scriptures, this guy named Abraham, or to kind of be biblically correct, Abram, before he gets a name change. And what we know about Abram when God comes to him and gives him three promises is absolutely nothing. And I love that. Because what we're going to see is that God establishes a relationship with a guy that we have no context for and no condition upon that relationship with. And that should be good news for us. Because what that points us to is that, that when it comes to a relationship with God, there are no conditions that have to be met on our part prior to beginning that relationship with God. 
There's no context that is too descriptive or, or too messed up that, that we have to have in order to begin a relationship with God. So God shows up, picks this guy named Abram, and he says, Hey, um, if you will be mine and I'll be yours then I want to make three promises to you. Three promises to you. The first promise is this. Though you and your wife are of old age and you are barren and unable to have kids, you will become the father of many people. Now there's another children's song that is true and accurate, and that's Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham, and I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Jared, come back out. All right, you know. So, so that was promise number one, Father Abraham, that he would be the father of many nations. And when you take a look at the world's three largest religions, all of them point back to Abraham as patriarch, which is actually the fulfillment of promise number one and promise number two, and that is that God would make his name great, so great that little children would sing songs about him. Thousands of years afterwards. But then number three, and here's... Here's this promise, that through his line and lineage, God would bring one about who would bless all nations and all people. And what we know throughout the course of history, Bible history, promises made about this person who would come and bless all nations, that that was fulfilled 2,000 years ago when Jesus walked the face of the earth. Fully God, fully man, lived a perfect life, died on the cross for all of the world's sins, past, present, future, all people, regardless of how messed up or how good people think their background and context is. And then he came back from the dead, offering victory over sin and death and a relationship for all people, fulfilling promise number three, but also proving the point that When it comes to a covenant relationship with God, there are no context or conditions that have to be met to begin that relationship. Simply believing. And when you see the word believe in the Bible, what it means is a transfer of trust. It's a transfer of trust in yourself to someone else. And so the condition where we receive that covenant relationship and that promise that is available to us and the promises that are specific for us is built on a covenant relationship with God that all of us have access to because God is faithful to his promises. So much so that the Bible says that Abram believed the Lord's promises. Do you believe the Lord's promises? Do you believe them? Do you believe him? And if you struggle with believing some specific promises, it might just need to come back to this like question. How's your relationship with God? How's your relationship with God? Because we're going to talk about a few specific promises, but one of the crazy things about most of the promises of God is that the prize has nothing to do with like kind of the purpose of the practice that you're putting in to get the payoff has everything to do with the person of God. has everything to do with the person of God. It's interesting. Some of the promises in Scripture um, actually uh, require this participation in relationship with God. Check this out. Um, Psalm um, 37.4. Psalm 37.4. We've got the words on this screen. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Sounds like a payoff from a promise that you want, right? The desires of your heart. You want to get to the desires of your heart? Okay, well, delight yourself in the Lord. So the condition is delight yourself in the Lord. 
and then you'll get the desires of your heart. Here, here's another one for you. should be familiar if, if the vine is your church home. Uh, John chapter 15, verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. I mean, it kind of sounds like this. You know, you got that lamp and, and you got that genie in the lamp and you're just rubbing that lamp. Genie pops out, boom. You ask for whatever you wish and you got it. Doesn't, doesn't limit it to three either, right? So, but if you abide in me... In my words in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it'll be done. And then another one um, from Scripture, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Another one that's familiar for us, especially in this season of singing at our church, where we uh, sing the song, Seek First the Kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God. These are Jesus' words. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, meaning like right standing or right relationship with him. And all these things will be added to you. What things? Well, the things that led Jesus just before this to say not, not to worry about. Like, don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. The things that we get so concerned and wrapped up with, Jesus says, hey, don't worry about those things. Those things that were on your list at the end of last year that you didn't want to see trickle into this year, so that this could be the best year ever, Jesus says, hey, hey, just seek first my reign and my rule in your life. Seek first a right relationship with me. And all these things will be added unto you. All these things are going to be taken care of. You can't experience your best life ever. And so, so the condition of these three promises where we go, hey, whatever you desire will be given to you. Whatever you wish will be granted to you. Um, whatever you worry about, it'll be taken care of. It's all like, it all starts with this like presence of God. This relationship with God. And I bet when it comes to promises that you asked somebody to make you when you were a kid, or, or maybe the promises that are, are, um, you're asked to make now as an adult, or wherever you are on that spectrum, most of them have something to do with somebody being present. And I bet, and I, I have no empirical evidence of this, I just bet that most kids, when it comes to asking for a promise, have something to do with this. Or something along these lines. Promise me you'll be there. P promise me you'll show up on time. Promise me that you'll come and see me at the basketball game or at my swim meet or at the spelling bee. Promise me you'll be there. And what we start to discover about promises that God makes us is it's kind of the same way. That most of the promises, there, there is this kind of payoff that comes in like, hey, desires and wishes and things that we worry about being taken care of. But the best prize of all is the person. It's the person of God. Um, I, I've been on two vacations in my life that like st stand out above the rest. Uh, the first one was my honeymoon, and it stood out for a number of reasons. But uh, one was because we went to... Um, we went to Washington State to this island called San Juan Island. And I mean, absolutely beautiful place. The, uh, the other uh, vacation that we went on was to Grand Cayman Island. And um, before you get too judgy, hey, we were staying in a friend's condo. It's good to have friends who have condos at Grand Cayman Island, right? And so uh, we go there, and, um, and, and we're there. And it, it, the reason that these vacations were, like, above and beyond is because, I mean, absolutely beautiful. You Grand Cayman, you got snow-white sand. You know, in, in Saint, uh, San Juan Island and in Washington State, you got snow-capped 
mountains. You've got all kinds of wildlife. You've got stingray. You've got orca whales. You've got um, starfish. You've got bald eagles all over the place. I mean, just absolutely beautiful, great activities to do at both places. But what makes these vacations stand out above all the others, not just because they're beautiful and they've got great activity, but because of the people that we were with. The prize wasn't the, the possession of the beauty, the possession of the activities. The prize was the people. And when it comes to the promises of God, if we get so focused on the, the prize, the, the, the possession of the desire or the possession of the, of the wish or the possession of not worrying about things, we're going to miss the ultimate prize. And so before we get to the best promise ever, I, w- I want you to know the best principle ever when it comes to the promises is not to miss the prize. And the prize is the person. And what you might find is that when you prize the person over the possession of the, the promise or the reward that comes along with that promise is that it might actually just start to change the things that you desire for. Uh, it, it might change the things that you start to wish for. It might change the, the, the things that you worry about you actually might start to take on more of the kind of character and the concern of of the person that you're delighting in or the person that you're abiding in or the person that you're seeking after than actual the reward or the prize. And and maybe you've experienced this in human relationships. I know that I have. I mean, my 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 kind of prize now um, in my relationship with Liz, my wife, we've been married um, almost 16 years. We've been together 22 years. Um, is just spending time with her, you know, and, uh, and that wasn't the way it was when we first started dating. I'm a words of affirmation person. That's kind of my, my love language, and so it was good enough for me when we were dating, and I knew I loved her just say, I love you. But she's a quality time person. She wants to spend time with me, and I, to be honest, I could have spent hours and hours by myself completely fine with that as long as I let her, knew, let her know that I loved her. Um, she was not cool with that, not cool with that. And so I became not cool with that. And over time, what I've realized is I, I actually enjoy spending time with her most of the time. You know, I mean, like, you know, so like my desires, even towards my wife, they've changed over the years because now I'm like, I, her desires to spend time like that, that's becoming my desire. And that's what happens. And that's why these promises are so important for us when it comes to our best year ever. That's why it's an internal thing, because all of a sudden, when, when the promise we know has a context and a condition of a relationship with God who initiates it, regardless of the context of our background and our sin, and regardless of any kind of condition where we think we got to clean up before we get into the relationship, man, it starts to change you. It starts to change you in a way to where, you know what? I mean, there are going to be a lot of just crazy things that happen in the course of a year. Highs and lows, ups and downs. It's not going to matter because you got the constant of God and God's presence in your life. Bless you. The best year ever, the best year ever, for us to experience that, we need the best promise ever. And, and here's the best promise ever found in the Bible. And it's repeated a number of times over and over. It's this. If you're taking notes, you want to write this down. God keeps all his promises. God keeps all his promises. 
Now, I could give you the, the seven references for that. I want to take you to one reference that kind of points this out. And the fulfillment of, of God's faithfulness and that best promise ever that he keeps all his promises is found in Jesus. And so I want to take a look at these words written by a guy named Paul to this uh, church in the city of Corinth. It's the second letter that he wrote. So it's 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaim to you, Silvanus and Timothy and I, was not yes and no, but in him it's always yes. And so I wanted to read you this verse just to kind of like emphasize what we were saying earlier, that a covenant relationship with God, it's always yes, okay? It's never no. Are you tracking? If any of you feel disqualified, God's Love for you and a relationship with you is never no. It's always yes. Somebody should have said amen. It's too late. (laughs) Verse 20. For all. How many of them? All. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. When Jesus came, God in the flesh All of the promises of God find their yes in him. This is proof, this is all the evidence that we need that God would empty himself and take on the form of a human being, even a slave to the point of death, so that you could have a relationship with him. All of his promises are yes. The best promise ever is that God keeps his promises. But your homework assignment is to figure out what promise you need to where God says yes in Jesus to that. And so um, I've got a a way for you to find the promise that you need in 2018. It's called Google. And you just Google promises of God for fill in the blank. Promises of God for finances. Malachi 3.10. Test me in this, declares the Lord. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse and see if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you cannot contain it. Promises for children. Actually, it's in the Big Ten. Honor your father and mother for this commandment has a promise. You will live a long and prosperous life. Promises for parenting in Proverbs 22. Train your child in the way that he will go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. Doesn't mean he won't take a detour. But when he's old, he won't depart from it. But just in my own reading this week, another promise. Discipline your child, for they will give you the desires that please you. Okay, all right. Discipline, more discipline. I, I mean, I could go through all the list, but you got Google. You got it. You got this. You got this, all right? You can do this. What promise do you need? What promise do you need in that area of your life that you have hope for or need hope for? Find that promise. Understand the context of it. See if there's a condition to it. Train a child. You've got to train a child, and then when they're old, they won't depart from it. But know the best promise ever, that God keeps all his promises. Because 
they find their yes in Jesus, a relationship with God. So what promise do you need for your best year ever? Let's rise up. I've seen you move. 